welcome to Over the Edge Podcast with Paige Ray. I am Paige. And this is a weekly chat about pushing creative boundaries, making big moves without knowing all of the answers, and jumping off a cliff to our dreams while figuring out how to build a plane on the way down. So find your favorite chair, grab your coffee, and get ready to live the dream without losing your mind. Let's go over the edge together, friends. Social media has really been bugging me lately. And that's actually the reason I created this podcast. Welcome to episode one of Over the Edge podcast. It's not just that social media has kind of been making me want to jump off a cliff, right? It's not just that it is pushing us all to our limits and maybe even over the edge of our own minds because of the demands of social media, but also The fact that everybody posts highlight reels all of the time, I'm really big on this behind the scenes. I never wanna give anybody the impression that everything is going perfectly all of the time. Living a creative life, being a creative for a living is really hard. And it's only ever made more difficult by looking at what everyone else is doing and going like, are they just having a good day every single day all of the time? Do they just have clients flooding their inbox? Are they just drowning in money? Because if you're on social media, that's what you would think about other creatives. You would think that everybody else has figured out the secret formula to success and is like living their best lives while you are just feeling burned out and overburdened by your to-do list. And so I really want you to come here and feel like a real human in this environment. Uh, This podcast is not about toxic positivity. This podcast is also not about complaining all of the time. It's about the reality of being human in your creative business and the demands of being creative on demand. It's hard. So today what I want to talk to you about is my three biggest failures in business ever, (laughs) right? I'm going to give you all of those details. And the reason that I want to do that is because I have a successful business. I run a successful design agency. We do photo, video, and website design and brand identity, and we do it really well. And we've been doing it for almost 10 years now, which I really even can't believe it's 10 years. The time goes by so fast, but We have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. I have had major flops. I have had major failures. I learned from each of them. That's the key to all of it is it's not about like, oh, I can't ever fail. I can't ever do this wrong. No, no, no. It is about if you're going to do it poorly, if you're going to fail at it, if you're going to do it wrong, at least learn from it. And then and then you got to move on. You can't you can't wallow in it forever because the truth of it is everybody's out there making mistakes all the time. The people you look up to in business, they're fucking it up somewhere behind the scenes. You just don't know about it because they haven't told they haven't told you about it and that's not the end of the world. It, not everybody has to show up and talk about their failures. Sometimes that's just not part of the brand to do that and that's okay, but reality is part of my brand in a major way. So that's what we're talking about today is the biggest failures I've ever had in my business. And we're gonna go way, way back, actually. Um, I'm gonna do top three. Number three brings us back eight or nine years ago, so way to the start of my business. So does number two, maybe six or seven years ago. Number one takes place within the last couple of years. So 
The reason I make that distinction is because I actually started as a creative as a wedding photographer. I was a wedding and family photographer for a long time. I loved it. I love weddings. I love weddings. But the pressure of being perfect for weddings all of the time really kind of got to me after a while. I just, I felt like I cannot keep having a panic attack and a heart attack every time I'm worried about something on a wedding day because people are really worried about perfection on their wedding day and I don't blame them. They're paying a lot of money for it, but I don't want to show up with perfection. I want to show up actually with imperfection because that's where a lot of beauty lies, um, especially when we are capturing it with the camera. The imperfections are really what make things like chef's kiss, right? Um, and I feel the same way about wedding days, but not everybody is into that. And I don't, I don't blame you if you're not into it, but I was a wedding photographer for four or five years. And then about, let's see, in 2018, so almost like five or six years ago, is when I made the switch into commercial photography. Then we added videography as another service. And now we've added web design this year. So we are now a full service design agency for your business. We take you from beginning to end in all of these projects. And we make it really fun and we make it really easy. And we focus on how to make you stand out in your market because that is the number one thing to do. So that is the breadth of what we're going to talk about. But let's go back to when I was a wedding photographer. I was still new to the industry. Now, my second year in business, I think it's worth mentioning. My second year in business, I got a divorce. And that was really scary because my business was not off the ground yet. It was not ready to support me. And I did not know how to make money in a business. I was just, oh man, crossing my fingers and hoping for the best every single day. And that went on for a few years. I struggled with that for a few years until I started figuring out how to sell. And then I figured out how to make money. But in the meantime, I was just, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite figure out what made you money in business. And so I tried a bunch of different things. And this is where um, number three, this is where we are at number three failure. Number three biggest failure. Um, this, I mean, arguably this could be my absolute biggest failure because it's where I lost the most money. But because I didn't know where you get clients, I kind of tried everything. And one of those things was advertising with a major wedding directory website. And I won't name names because that's pointless. And this was so long ago and it wasn't their fault. It's just that when you go on a directory like this, there are 500 options for Los Angeles. It's hard to pick just from like the few photos that you upload as your gallery. Um, which is why branding is important. Um, but I spent, to be in that gallery for one year, to be in that directory for one year, and you could spend more and get on earlier pages, of course. And I'll be honest, I don't remember if I did that or not. I don't think I did that. The people who spent more money to get higher up on those directories to be like the first few search results, I think those are the people that got clients from this directory. I didn't do that. But I did, over the course of a year, spend $5,000 advertising with this directory. And let me ask you, do you think this got me a single wedding client? Just any wedding client? Just any at all? Nope. Nope, I got zero back on that investment. And that is one of the things that happens if we're going to talk about lessons here. So this is one of my just major flops is I spent $5,000 on advertising in a directory that got me no clients. And that was a big hit because at the time, like I said, I was really early in my business. I was going through a tough time. I didn't know how to make money. So I didn't have a ton of money to be spending. Uh, but I did. I thought maybe this, this would be the way that somebody would, I would be able to start building clientele. It did not work. It was a huge bummer by the time I got to the end of that year. 
And, but I did learn lessons. So let's talk about lessons. I did learn lessons from that, right? So the first lesson I learned is that like you are gonna lose money in business and don't let anybody in business tell you that they've never lost money. <laughs> everybody, everybody has lost money somewhere in their business. You cannot be hard on yourself about it. You have to give yourself a little bit of grace because we're gonna take wild guesses on what might work and we're gonna be wrong sometimes. And if you're never wrong, if you're never uh, losing anything, if you're never getting uh, getting it wrong, if you're never failing at anything, then you just aren't taking a big enough risk. And that that's you know another that's not a lesson from this, but it's pretty par for the course. Like if you're you got to be taking some risks in business if you want to stand out in your market, and if you're always winning, you know if you're booking 100% of the people that are in your inbox, your prices are too low, or you're not taking enough of a risk. Like it's just it, at some point you will feel the pain of a failure, and that's okay. Welcome to uh, welcome to running a business, and also welcome to the team. We are all on it. We are, have all failed at something, and we have all lost money at some point. So that is number three. Number two. Now, I think we all remember the heyday of freebies. I mean, we're still in a pretty good freebie heyday. There's some great lead magnets out there, and I think all of us have a lead magnet by this point. And there was a time when lead magnets were really ramping up in, in who had them. And I, I, would, I would say this was around 2015, 2016. We were all kind of like figuring out what is a lead magnet? What could I offer? And I came up with a lead magnet that I was really, really proud of. And I'll tell you the truth, I don't remember what it was. I think it was, uh, I think it was my first, oh, I remember, I do remember what it was. I think it was called Prep Shoot Edit. And I made this little guide about how to take better photos on your cell phone. And I know this was a popular topic because for a while I ran a prep shoot edit workshop here in Los Angeles and it did well. So I thought, okay, a freebie is gonna do really well too. And then I thought, maybe I should put some ad dollars behind this. Some, uh, I don't know, can I say the name? I mean, we all know this platform. It's, um, it's the platform we all joined when it first came out when we were in college in the early 2000s, right? And they run, they allow you to run ads. And I uh, thought, okay, well, I will run, can, you, can we say these brand names? I have no idea, let's find out. I'm just gonna tell you I ran Facebook ads to kind of push this lead, mag lead magnet and get my email list built. And I did that. I ran um, ads on it, I think for about a month. And I was really new to Facebook ads. I did not know what I was doing and I did not, I didn't even know you could spend money for a Facebook ads expert at the time. And so I kind of just guessed my way through it. Facebook had some guidelines and recommendations on how best to do it and I kind of followed those. I ran it for a month and I think I got 17,000 eyes, not conversions. <laughs> 17,000 uh, views on this ad, something like that. And maybe that would be a lot for today or maybe it would be almost nothing for today. I couldn't tell you because it's been a while since I've done Facebook ads. But I can tell you that 17,000 people saw my Facebook ad. And can you guess how many people opted into my email list? Zero. Zero, you're right. I, mean, I bet you said zero because the first answer was zero too and the answer again here is zero. It, zero people out of 17,000 that viewed my Facebook ad, zero signed up for my email list. That was disappointing and another loss of money though, definitely not $5,000 the same time. I think it was a few hundred because Facebook ads were still cheap back in the day. But this was a huge flop and a huge failure and a huge bummer. 
because I was really excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to grow my email list. It's going to be the start of something big. I can't wait. <sighs> the disappointment. The disappointment. Now, this was later on in me doing weddings. I had built somewhat of a portfolio. I wasn't so new to things. I was a little more established. Um, and it was maybe a year or two before I started moving out of weddings. Um, and this wasn't the final kick in the pants. Like I, I didn't move out of weddings because of this, but it was a bummer because I was like, how am I ever going to get noticed in this industry? And I actually answered that question for myself a few years later when I moved into commercial work. I became really big on differentiating myself. And the way that I did that when I moved into commercial work was mostly lighting. Um, a lot of people getting into commercial to commercial work, a lot of times we call it brand photography these days, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's a different episode for a different time because any photography made in service um, or in promotion of a business is commercial photography. That's the literal definition. So I was really big on learning lighting and a lot of my peers that were moving into the same industry were not learning lighting. They were counting on um, using their natural light abilities to uh, light their photos. And I, I decided, you know what, uh, screw it. Let's, let's buy a lighting setup, let's learn it. And I think that really made my work um, stand out in a lot of different ways. Um, but that's when started th things started to really shift for my business. So that has less to do with mistake number two or big flop number two, but it is how I, uh, it is how I'm going to transition into this next flop, the number one failure that I've ever had in my business. To give you a little bit of intro into how I made this transition, so um, I moved into commercial work and I definitely learned lighting because I could tell that that was going to make my work pop a little bit better. And then I got really determined to learn how to sell my work because I knew, I knew that if I was going to stand out, it wasn't only about work. I could see that very clearly. I think a lot of creatives out there think that getting booked or getting clients is about making the best work out of anybody. And I hate to tell you, but that's not actually what it's about. That's not how it works. People will not always just book you on how good your work is. It is often who you know. It is often how you sell. It is often how you close. Do you know how to close? Uh, do you know how to say, let's work together? Which, by the way, it is that simple. I'd love to work together. What does it look like for you moving forward? Would you like to get on my calendar? It can be that easy. Um, and that's what I love about sales. Sales isn't what people think it is. Sales is, sales is where somebody's biggest challenge, biggest problem, worst fear, deepest fear, it's where that deepest fear meets a potential solution. And sales is, sales is where both of those overlap. And if you can facilitate that, if you can say, hey, you have this problem and there is this solution over, over here, let's see how we can make these two meet together in a way that feels good to everybody. That, to me, is super dang exciting. I, I love that. Once I started thinking of sales not as selling, but as um, a meeting of the minds, um, a, as inspiration, as problem solving for people. And once I realized how much, you know, people really do want to pay to have problems solved from big things to small things. So I had to stop being afraid of selling in order to do that. And I got really good at it. I'm still really good at it. And I started teaching other people how to be really good at, good at it because it's not hard like people think it is um and it's not like icky sales like people think it is sales should never feel icky sales should always feel easy it should feel like a conversation it should feel uh it should feel like no big deal it should book booking should feel good 
um, for both you and your client. Right. And so I started teaching people how to be really good at sales. And I would teach people in my masterminds and my programs and my mentorships, which, by the way, none of this is available anymore. I've wrapped all of that. And so I just want so you don't think that this right here is a sales pitch. But I started teaching it and I got really good at teaching people how to sell. And everybody I taught sales to got really good at sales because, again, it's not that hard. It's not that scary. Once you put a few key pieces into place, uh, everything just starts to flow way better. Ghosting starts getting to starts. You no longer get ghosted. Your, your inbox is flowing and it's great. So I thought to myself, well, everybody is releasing a course right now. I would love to have at the time, what I would have called passive income. I would never call it passive income again. Uh, it's not, it's a low maintenance income. Anything you do to make money is never gonna be truly passive. There's always some sort of maintenance that you're gonna have to do on it. Whatever the time investment is up front, even if you can put it on the back burner to run, um, there's some, there are decisions you'll have to make eventually, even if they're really easy. So at the most, I would call this, I would call coursing a low maintenance income situation. And that's what I wanted. I was like, I would love something that's scalable. I would love something that's low maintenance. Um, so it seems like everybody's putting a course out. I'm going to put a course out because I love teaching. Teaching is fun and I'm good at it. And it, the things that I'm teaching now are getting results. And it can be automated. It doesn't have to be a custom thing that I teach to each person. Like anybody can come along and take these tips and use them. So I made a course about it and I did a little beta test with the course and I got good reviews on it. So once I knew I had something solid, I went out into the world to sell my sales course. And wouldn't you know it, I could not for the life of me sell my dang sales course. I, I did sell course, right? There are people enrolled in it still. Like it's not for sale anymore. Again, this is not a pitch, but there are still people enrolled in it. Like there are people that bought it. I sold maybe a few dozen, 30, 40 enrollments in this course, which isn't terrible by any means. But in order for it to be truly worth like the back end upkeep of, you know, monthly, uh, monthly memberships to run the platform and things like that, I needed to make more money than I was. So I call that a flop, which is a bummer, but I can't think of anything more embarrassing than I made a sales course that did not sell. And that feels like my biggest flop of all time. Now, of course, you can't get this course anymore. You can't get any of my courses anymore unless you previously bought into them. You can't get into any of my programs because I don't really do education anymore. Uh, I am doing this though, this podcast, and I'm happy to be here with you and I'm going to be here with you each week as we navigate being a creative, whether you're living a creative life or you are doing creative work or both. All of it comes with its challenges and I want you to feel like you have uh, a teammate in me, you know, let's be, let's be ride or die together about living a life that we love, even if we feel like we are falling off a cliff sometimes, that is totally okay. So thank you for joining me here today on Over the Edge podcast. Come back next week. And of course, like, subscribe, give me five stars. I would love that. Um, help a girl out because I am new to this podcasting thing and I could really use the support. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll talk to you next week.